This is the Horse Radio Network. When I was a kid, I dreamed of going to horse camp. There was nothing in the world that sounded better than riding horses, making new friends, and leaving the world's worries behind. The good news is, horse camp doesn't just have to be for kids. That's why I'm excited to announce the Leadline's premier ranch retreat for equestrian entrepreneurs, happening this upcoming fall in upstate New York. You're invited to join me on October 11th through 14th for our first ever horse business getaway, complete with trail riding, kayaking, and of course, all of the fun horse camp stuff that grown-ups should get to enjoy too. Space is limited and spots are booking fast, so hurry over to theleadlinepodcast.com slash ranch retreat. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash ranch retreat. Or click the link in our show notes to find out more. Welcome to the Leadline Podcast, the show where we believe that running your own horse business should feel less like a chore and more like the life you've always dreamed of. Join us as we share valuable advice on how to become more focused, more organized, and more profitable in your horse business. And now, here's your host, Mandy Flanders. Hey, it's Mandy, and thanks for tuning in to the Leadline Podcast today. In this episode, I'm joined by Kathy Woods of Kathy Woods Yoga. Kathy is an experienced yoga teacher and life skills retreat leader who's been teaching yoga since 1991. That's 31 years. As a lifelong self-employed entrepreneur, Kathy knows a thing or two about monetizing your passion and pursuing your true calling in life. She joins me on the show to share her insight on the many ways she's been able to grow Kathy Woods Yoga as a brand and why she believes that running a business isn't just about hard work, but also heart work. We'll talk about that in a bit. She'll also touch on the importance of not being attached to the outcome when you're in the process of planting seeds in the early stages of growth and how this practice will help you in your entrepreneurial journey. Here's Kathy Woods. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast today. It's so good to have you here. Hi, Mandy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. You're doing so many awesome things, and I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while. We met in person not that long ago, too, and you just have so many cool things between the book and your yoga and your retreats. We're going to talk about those things, but I also want to talk to you a bit about your entrepreneurial journey because you have some really cool stories to share, I'm sure, and I want to just dig into that today and hear a little bit more. Great. Excellent. Happy to talk about that and, and share. Well, why don't we start out by having you tell us just a quick overview of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. I have been teaching yoga about 31 years. I always say I'm a born yogi because even before formally getting introduced to yoga, I had um, definite interest in yoga as a child. And that formed into um, a, a really interesting and fulfilling journey, which has led me to where I am now and also has been a career choice. And in addition to teaching what I call authentic yoga over the last 31 years, about 13 years ago, I created a program called Body Mind Equine, which teaches how to use the principles, not just the postures, but the principles of yoga in our horsemanship from ground to saddle. So I was able to merge my two passions there, horses and yoga, and helping people and uh, creating a career out of that. I'm a longtime horsewoman. I'm an avid backcountry trail rider. I'm an author, and I also have several online courses for yoga for riders through WeHorse. So yeah, lots of irons in the fire. Keeps it interesting. 
That's such the norm for entrepreneurs, isn't it? Lots of irons in the fire, lots of things going on, and lots of revenue streams too, actually, when you think about it. I'd love to take a little bit of a, an inside look at what things looked like for you when you first started your business, because you've been doing this for 31 years. And I'm sure you have a lot of advice for equestrian entrepreneurs who are looking to monetize their passion like you have. How did you decide that this was something that you wanted to turn into a business all those years ago? Well, uh, let me even back up further than that. I have been self-employed my entire adult life. I started my first business. I was about 18 and it was a fashion show production company. Um, and I used to also do consulting with new models and actors as I was in that field. So that was my first business venture really early on and then have done some other interesting things as well. I had a bed and breakfast that I uh, started and owned and operated for a while with my husband. So I've always been self-employed. I don't know any other way, truly. So this current business, Kathy Woods Yoga, started as a yoga teaching business, and it just sort of fell in place organically, which is really how my whole life is, has kind of unfolded. It started out, I was taking yoga classes back in my late teens. I must have been 18 or 19. And the teacher was going on vacation and asked me to sub a class for her. And I wasn't sure I was qualified, but I did. And I did wonderful and I enjoyed it and the students enjoyed it. And that was sort of the start of Kathy Woods Yoga informally. And little by little, I would add on more classes. I might teach at a fitness center, a yoga center, a martial arts studio. And beyond yoga classes, I started venturing into more workshops because to me, yoga is not just a practice of athletics. It's a, a whole life practice and there are so many aspects to it. So I wanted to move on beyond just teaching yoga classes as fitness to actually teaching the limbs, the various aspects of yoga. So I started off doing little workshops and then that developed into leading retreats, which is one of my passions. I love curating experiences for people and they can deep dive and go home with lots of tools. So that was really the start of yoga teaching. And then I moved here to the Smoky Mountains, oh, probably about 25, 26 years ago, and was teaching a community class here, teaching for some area resorts, guest teaching at different yoga studios within a couple of hours. And then I started applying to teach at larger yoga centers, such as the Kripalu Yoga Center up in Massachusetts and Yogaville Ashram in Virginia, Mount Madonna Center in California. So a long list of really interesting um, venues that uh, were interested in my work and, and accepted me doing retreats. So that was sort of how the yoga part launched. And then the equine element also came about organically because I was noticing what I was doing in my own horsemanship from ground to saddle were a lot of the same principles I was doing in my yoga practice, the mindfulness, the breathing awareness, energy awareness, um, skills to notch my energy up or down as needed when working with horses. And that developed by um, just having interest in it and sharing that with a few friends who were supportive and embraced the idea. And then that developed into a whole program. And we can talk more about that if you'd like. But that started out, again, kind of locally here in the Smokies, doing little one-day, half-day clinics. And same kind of journey, I started pitching that to um, other venues, ranches, resorts, equestrian centers, expos. And there was a lot of interest in it. 
fast forward, my book just got published two years ago by Horse and Rider Books. And that's a long answer to your question, um, but it's been a long journey. So there you go. I want to talk more about your retreats and your workshops in just a couple of minutes, but I'm actually really curious because you said you've been self-employed your entire life and that you really don't know any other way. Did you ever feel like you needed to go out and supplement your self-employment with other kinds of, you know, quote unquote, real jobs? Fortunately, I have not. Um, I have helped my husband in his business. He's a wood turning artist. So we have a few side hustles too, which as an entrepreneur, you do. You And living in the Smoky Mountains, which is remote, there are not a lot of, quote, job opportunities around here. So you kind of create your own way. So you know, at a really young age, Mandy, I mentioned I had kind of yogic awarenesses and interests, but I also knew literally from kindergarten that I was kind of marching to my own drummer. I just didn't even like the structure of school. I felt it was so odd for somebody else to tell you what days you have to be somewhere, when you can be off, what you have to learn at what time. And that just seemed so like against the grain. I felt like a bird in a cage. So I knew from an early age that self-employment was going to be for me. Um, It was never a question, and I've never regretted that decision. I love that. So the reason I ask this is because I hear this a lot, and I've actually experienced this myself, where you're trying to get a business up and running, but the income isn't turning over fast enough to support yourself. So that's where a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck because they need to make money in other places. So did you find that you were doing multiple businesses at once to be able to, you know, pay your way or how did that look for you? Yeah, so I I would do multiple things at once. When I was teaching just strictly yoga classes, I would teach a variety of classes. It might be in the community. It might be a couple of towns over. I would do, you know, a guest teaching, a workshop. So I always had lots of areas I was pursuing kind of within the same business, um, if that makes sense. So a lot of things would fall under the umbrella of yoga teaching. It was never just teaching. It was always, you know, applying for other retreats and opportunities and creative workarounds, you know, writing articles, um, getting published. So there have been a lot of offshoots to what I do. And again, my personality type works really well being self-employed because it, there are a lot of obstacles and, and challenges, as you know, and it takes a lot of discipline and structure. But again, I don't really know any other way. So for me, it's worked for my personality. And truly, I live my life very mindfully. I've always set myself up where I didn't have big bills and got my my home and property paid off at a pretty young age. And all of those good, smart choices also allowed me to be self-employed because it was not always hugely monetized. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I just wanted to touch on that question because I do think that that's where a lot of entrepreneurs do get stuck. But I love that you've pointed out that being mindful of your expenses is also very important when you're starting a business and just you know getting something up and running. So let's dig more into some of these other offshoots that you've been talking about, because you've got so many different things that you offer. And let's talk first about your retreats, because that's really what I know very well of you is that you host these retreats and you always have events going on. So tell me a little bit about how that came about and you started hosting those on your own. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And, you know, just kind of going back to the entrepreneurial spirit, 
for me, it's, I call it heart work, not hard work, heart work. And it's always been about following my interests, Mandy, always, even from early on, I've never really followed the money, but I've always followed my interests. And interestingly enough, I've always been supported in that sometimes more generously than others. So the work that I do is always about following my interests and those changes I change and grow. And I love to travel. I love to ride horses. I love having like women's experiences and I love to teach yoga. So that was how the retreats came about. I would pitch these to, you know, different branches and resorts. And um, at first it was a really tough sell because people here yoga and horses and they think it's about just doing yoga on a horse and that's like just a small snippet of what my body mind equine program is about so again just followed my interests i was like you know i want to create a way to travel to ride horses to connect heart connect with with other humans and and horses and share yoga in its authentic form so that was how those were born by simply following my own interests so there was some self-interest there too because I, the retreats are so enjoyable for me as well. And they really fill my heart cup because, um, you know, we are connecting people come to these and they're mostly women and they feel like, hey, we're just going to do some yoga and ride some horses. And it ends up being a much richer, more empowerment, women supporting women kind of experience. Well, you just mentioned that it was a bit of a hard sell at first. So talk to me a little bit about that process with getting these ranches to want to work with you and host these retreats. What was that process like? Yeah, it was a challenging process. And and even not just the retreats, even doing one day clinics. Again, it was a it's a topic that people have this vision of yoga and horses. And there's a trendy version of that, which is not what I teach. I was kind of one of the pioneers of pairing these two concepts in a much deeper, richer way. So yeah, it just, you know, really defining the language of how I would present what it is that I do that developed more over years. It helped writing articles. It helped writing my book to be able to put all that in word form. So when I was talking to venues, I had better language to use and describe my work. And a lot of self-employment, not just with the retreats and clinics, but my whole journey has just been about a lot of perseverance and a lot of Again, creative ways to look at things. And I think a big part of it is I would throw a lot of things out there. I would plant a lot of seeds and not all of them, as you well know, come up. But, you know, if one in 10 did, I was happy with that. So I always had the get-go to really throw a lot of things out there and sort of see what sticks. And I think part of my work, too, is not being attached to the outcomes. Maybe early on, I was a little more attached, but now it's like I put stuff out there and some of the venues aren't the best fit. And I'm just trust the process that those are not the ones that come through. And if they don't, I don't get disappointed anymore because I know there's something else around the corner. Well, that's a great outlook too, because there's definitely going to be things that don't stick. There's going to be seeds that don't grow. And when you're emotionally attached to that result and that outcome, there's going to be disappointment. So I really like that you pointed that out because I think that is something very important to keep in mind when you're trying new things in your business. And you've got to keep trying new things because that's how you find out what works. Exactly. And for me, trying new things is, again, just following my interests as I've changed and grown. My interests have changed and grown and I have shaped my business to suit that. 
So again, goes back to being heart work. It's very fulfilling. I, I wake up literally every morning excited about whatever I have to do, whether it was a podcast with you today or, you know, preparing for an upcoming event or talking to somebody about, you know, uh, something upcoming. So it's, it's exciting. And I always like to stay interested. Like I'm interested in what's going to happen next, what's going to transpire. So it's a fun and exciting way to live your life. And again, self-employment is certainly not for everybody. And have there been moments I've said it would be easier to just go get a job? Um, yes, I have had those moments. Uh, there's a quote, and I probably won't nail it all the way. It says, I quit my nine to five job to become self-employed. So now I work 24 seven. And that's pretty much it. You know, I have a home office. So things come in at, you know, early mornings, odd times a day. So you don't just clock out at five o'clock when you're self-employed. The clock keeps ticking. But that inspires me, gives me the fuel to keep driving forward and, and doing what I do. Yeah, it's so true. I've seen that quote on social media and they're not wrong. They're not wrong. <laughs> that's what most <laughs> entrepreneurs do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've had a couple of other authors on the podcast before, and the consistent topic is that when you write a book, that really helps put your brand on the map. So would you find that that's been the case for you? Absolutely. It just gives you more credibility. There's a lot of people out there self-publishing, and that is great. I was fortunate enough to have Trafalgar Square Books, which is horse and rider books, the leading publisher of equestrian books accept my submission. And when I submitted my book idea to them, you know, I had written articles for other publications, but never a full on book. So I wasn't a quote, published author in, in a book sense. Uh, so I was not being attached. I put that submission out there and I thought, well, let's just see what happens. And I got the email back from them and they said, yes, we would be happy to publish your book. And we think it's very current and timely and helpful. So that has launched my work to another level. I think it does give me a bit more credibility. There has been more interest in my work. So yes, I think having a book was paramount for me. Mm. So what are some of the other streams of revenue that you have in your business because you do so many things? What are some of the other examples that you've built on to your business model that you feel have worked really well for you? Right. Well, of course, I have the book that I'm selling now, and that's that's great to actually have a product. I have a meditation CD. I'm looking to do more of those upcoming and more equestrian centric. So that's upcoming. I, of course, have my various retreats. I have one-day clinics that I offer and am submitting articles to various magazines uh, in hopes of getting paid more for my writing. Uh, so that's another uh, avenue. So yeah, just kind of creative workarounds. And I do help my husband with his business. So we have um, some revenue coming in from there. I kind of handle the administrative side of that too. Well, that's nice when you guys can work together as a team. I know when I saw you guys in Ohio a couple months ago, you you were both there together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and your husband was helping with things. And didn't you travel in in your RV or something? And did, I feel like you brought your cats. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So my husband is one of my biggest supporters of all of my crazy ideas and ventures. Uh, so he's my rock. Yes, we brought our motor home and we traveled to uh, Equine Affair with our cats. And, you know, also I felt like you and your husband kind of the same way. He was there supporting you, getting ready for your event that you were doing there. And it was really cute to see you guys work together. And, you know, support is, is huge, too. We all have to lift each other up. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to have partners to do that. But also I have a circle of friends who have been very supportive and uh, followers that are very supportive. And that is really helpful, too, because there are times where, you know, being self-employed can feel challenging. And I, I am an idea factory. And it's great to have people to bounce those ideas off of that are going to be honest and authentic to you as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my husband came along to Ohio. So I think both of our husbands were in that room at around the same time because you were closing up shop and then I was setting up after you because we were renting the same space or using the same space at that show. Exactly. <laughs> so they were, your husband was loading out and mine was loading in. <laughs> so yeah, the roadies. Grateful for those guys doing yeah. the heavy lifting. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Definitely recommend having one of those. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to travel with an assistant too. And and if, if Robert is not available, I do have a couple of wonderful assistants that are always willing to help. And, and again, that just makes being self-employed, that whole journey much more, more doable. Mm-hmm. Well, one other thing I know of you, Kathy, is that you recently started putting some courses online. Yes. So let's talk about that for a couple minutes. I just love all the different revenue streams that you have. And I know that not only do you do the in-person events that we've been talking about, but you have online options and virtual options for people too. So let's shift over to the online side of your business and dig into that a little bit. Yeah, because that is a, a part of a, the revenue stream as well. I was fortunate that WeHorse, which um, is one of the largest online riding academies that have been around for many years in Europe, they have launched a North American platform. And I'm thrilled to be part of that family, part of that team. So they produced now three courses that I have on WeHorse, um, mat work for equestrians, a mounted meditation and motion segment, and the parallels of yoga and horsemanship. So there are three courses and within each of those courses, there are like five to eight course segments. So yes, that is another revenue stream. I also do virtual classes. So if somebody is cross country, but wants to take a yoga session with me or wants some guidance on meditation or even a mounted session, I do have those available virtually as well. And, and there's more of that coming down the line too. I don't have uh, specifics on that yet, but it looks like more online courses will be developing maybe with some additional platforms. I like that. And having a virtual option is something that's so important too, because you never know when something's going to happen, like 2020, for example. Yeah. How did 2020 impact your live events? I'd love to talk about that, actually. Yeah, I think we were all kind of thrown into virtual events in 2020, whether we wanted to or not. And as you know, I'm not the most techie person. I don't love tech. So I resisted that for a while, but I did have in-person events planned, uh, collaborations with other clinicians and 
you know, my own personal events. And of course, like everybody else, all of that got canceled. So virtual was sort of the the way to go. And I'm really glad that I, I took that dive into that direction. It's still not my favorite way to teach, but you can certainly reach a lot more people. And, um, you know, it's just a new way of doing business. And for me, the pandemic really changed my business model greatly because I was still teaching a lot of daily classes. There was a wonderful spa resort about a half hour from where I live. And I've worked with them for 20 years doing morning classes during tourist season. And I very much enjoyed that and enjoyed working with them. But I was also finding 20 years of doing that. And I was writing my book and I was noticing I was subbing out more classes to my substitutes to teach. Um, I was kind of having one foot out the door. So I think energetically, I was sort of ready to leave the daily class world. And I just didn't bite the bullet and do that consciously because my mind said, oh, this is my bread and butter. This is my income. This is my steady income, um, you know, subcontracting for, for them as a yoga teacher you know, again, goes back to trusting the process. The pandemic kind of changed their whole business model. They're no longer offering classes. And it really launched me into what I'm doing now in a bigger way. And it's it's being supported. So again, circling back, it's about trusting the process and trusting those things that we perceive as hiccups or or disruptions of our, our quote, plan. And then we get launched in a, a more interesting and better direction sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Well, I don't know about you, but you know, here we are two years later. I'm really glad that in-person events have started really bouncing back. <laughs> Me too. Me too. There's nothing like in-person for sure. Yeah. Well, Kathy, is there anything else that you would really like listeners to know about what you do and what you offer? Well, before I get to that, I think I would like to touch on uh, how the various practices of yoga translate into running my business. And I really pondered that question, Mandy. I think for one, you know, I always say yoga principles are life principles and yoga, the true practice of yoga does require discipline and discipline is not a bad word. It's a healthy structure. So I think that is one parallel of yoga and self-employment is the discipline. I also use intention setting. In fact, in my book, Yoga for Writers, I have a whole chapter on intention setting. So that is a yogic practice that I use in my business. And a lot of it too is tuning into my own inner knowing, my intuition, learning to listen to and honor that inner voice about what projects to do, what projects to say yes to. I said I put a lot of things out there, but I don't do anything that doesn't feel 100% in alignment with who I am. So I don't do ventures for egoic purposes. There has to be some interest in there. So feeling into intuition, timing, when to sign a contract, when to say yes to something, those are all, you know, yogic practices. So really listening to that inner voice. And I think through yoga and through meditation, a quote that I have in my book that I, I say is right thought and right action blossom from clarity. So the more clear we become through practices like yoga, meditation, mindfulness, the better and more aligned choices we make. So I just wanted to touch on that, how the yoga is not something I just teach on the mat. It is truly a life practice um, for me. So, you know, I hope that can help people look at self-employment maybe in a broader way, more as an extension of themselves. Mm. 
Do you have any tips for someone who feels like they don't have clarity on what to say yes to? Yeah, really get quiet. Listen to the inner voice. Don't live the media-driven version of life, the ABCs that get you from point A to point B because there's a lot of zigzagging in between. So take those chances, listen to the inner voice, get quiet enough to hear that inner voice and tune out some of the, um, you should do this, you should do that. Tune out some of the attachment to expectations, try things, take risks, um, smart risks. And, um, you know, just following your heart is going to lead to a more fulfilling career than just doing something because it's a good job or society says it's a good job, but it maybe doesn't really fit you or your personality. I think those are some excellent tips, Kathy. Thanks for sharing that. So where can people go to find out more about what you do? Yeah, so it's Kathy Woods Yoga. That's Kathy with the C, Woods with an S, Kathy Woods Yoga. Dot com is my website. Same handle on social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It's all Kathy Woods Yoga. I try to put really inspirational content out there as well as program updates. And my book, I sell signed copies directly, or you can buy them through my publisher, which is Horse and Rider Books. And then events, you know, I'm traveling. I've got Colorado, Massachusetts, Iceland, Smoky Mountains, uh, lots of other things brewing, and all of those programs stay updated on my website schedule. Yes, I've noticed you have a lot of great hotspots that you're visiting, a lot of great destination locations for your retreats and workshops. So I would absolutely recommend that our listeners go check that out if they're interested in attending. Kathy, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks for having me as a guest, Mandy. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're a horse business owner or equestrian professional, I'd love to invite you to continue the conversation in our free online community just for you. The Leadline Facebook community is a great space to network, get advice, and even recommend guests you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show. You can become a member by visiting theleadlinepodcast.com slash group. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash group. And join the conversation today. I'm Mandy, and I'll see you next time.